and welcome to episode 24 of Expertise is Overrated, the podcast that takes the time to answer the questions you didn't know you didn't want the answers to. I'm Vib. And I'm Sean. And neither of us has any clue what we're talking about. Now first, I just want to say we're back! That's Yay. right. We're, we're back. It's very exciting to be back, albeit we're not back to a regular schedule, but we found, uh, we, I found some time in my busy schedule to sit down and record an hour hey. of nonsense with you. So, hey, hey, uh, hey, hey. I'm, I'm busy too. Okay. <laughs> it's true, Some, it's true. Sometimes. You, are, sometimes. you are very busy. Um, Just not on most weekdays or weekends. But otherwise, <laughs> otherwise your calendar is packed. Uh, yeah, so we'll more on this later, but we are um, not back to our regular schedule, sadly, but we're, as we promised last episode, taking some time to try and push out episodes as and when we can. Now, before we move on to today's episode, let's award the much-vaunted Expertise is Overrated Tinfoil Award. Now, as a reminder, this is an award that we give at the start of each episode to the person who had the most ridiculous point in last, well, not last week's episode, but... Um, Last times episode, or just the last episode? La- last episode. You, you, last episode. You could just say last episode. Yeah, well, I, I could, but you know, brevity has never been my um, soul of wit, hasn't it? Um, God. <laughs> I'm gonna, I'm gonna just cut you off there to say that I'm getting it this week. I know, uh, and isn't I'll, it great? I'll put you out of your misery. I'm, I, we were, we were struggling to remember uh, what we'd actually said, and then you, you had a note that just said Dracul progenitors yes and i had this overwhelming sense of shame yeah it's, it's quite it's quite funny how this one sort of um pinballed because we both knew it was dracul and then when i when when you said that i was like oh god yeah it is and it, that's probably gonna be me because i say some stupid shit about dracul yeah but we um, were trying we were trying to work out where where the vampires came from in the dresden files obviously the, the three or four courts that there are and I suggested what at the time, in, in the heat of the episode, sounded like a really good theory, namely that what had happened was that Dracul had somehow managed to take parts of his sort of essence, his inherent vampiricism, and bestow unique parts of that on, on different uh, sires of the, the various vampire courts. But as you can tell as I'm, as I'm talking about it, no, that's, that theory is batshit insane. Yeah, it really is. I mean, it's 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 one of your crazier it's, theories. I think the issue is it's not how to put this. It's not an inherently terrible theory so much it, it as means, it's just it's, it's it's just in no way, shape, or form supported by the text whatsoever. I, I think you just got tired of me talking so much shit about it's, Dracul that you're like, possible. you know, no, no, I'm just going to step in and go really overboard. It's quite possible. I mean, I, I just really like the note that you put in the um, the little uh, quote-unquote script that we have where you said, oh no, I've remembered what it was. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. yeah. So, so yes, you shall wear that shiny hat for some time, I suspect. Time. A yeah. very long time. Um, but no, moving on. Uh, today's episode, today, we, we may well have, have, have received feedback since our last episode but unfortunately it was so long ago and our brains are so old and adult that we just can't remember it yeah, and let's be honest it was all good anyway so yeah there was nothing thanks nothing, for that guys nothing for anyone to say it was just it was just glowing praise and we do appreciate receiving glowing praise 
I can already hear Ellie's pen just well, you know, actually, scribbling away. Having said that we had no feedback, I actually saw Ellie recently uh, and she complained to me that we weren't putting out episodes because she has nothing to listen to while she runs to get her angry. Well, oh, okay. Wow. Okay. Wow. Um, um, well, which, you know, here, we, here we go, Ellie. I'm sure this one will be packed full of rage. Definitely. So what Hopefully. are we talking about today? Where, where Where's this rage going to come from? Today, well, we are back in... I, I think one of our favourite ever worlds, the scene of our first ever hot take. Um, and we are talking about a very very controversial figure in the Tolkienarium, and that is... Source of Progress, Saruman? <laughs> well, Saruman of many colours. He was ahead of his time, let's be honest. Visionary. <laughs> uh, no, even, even more out there than Saruman of many colours. Um... Tom Bombadil, Tom Bombadillo. Ah, yes. Tom Bombadil. No, this this was one I think... <laughs> I like the side. That really sets the scene. <laughs> <laughs> I, I, think, I think it was, you know, anyone who knows Middle-earth knows sort of the, the Tolkien area, the, the wider body of Tolkien's work, or even has just read The Lord of the Rings, must have known that this was coming to expertise is overrated at some point. Because this is something Surely, that... Yeah everyone has an opinion on and who better to have an opinion on it than two people who've clearly never read the book or seen the film uh, i mean absolutely yes <laughs> I mean, as, uh, as you as you well know i can't read and films are just a bit long really aren't they <laughs> the lord of the rings ones certainly are um <laughs> but no so i guess we need we need to start we need to set the set the scene i, I think we need to describe uh- Tom Bombadil. You're absolutely right, and I mean, if you haven't haven't read Lord of the Rings, then honestly, what are you doing with your life? Stop listening to us, and you know, just read the fucking books. Go, go and read some actually good creative <laughs> endeavors, as opposed to this nonsense. Go, go seek some good content. Um, but if you have, then I'm sure Tom Bombadil has always been a weird one. I mean, <clears> he shows up in the very first part of the very first book. Yeah, I can't remember if he's in... Because obviously, The Lord of the Rings is in fact one anthology of three volumes, each of three or four books. So I can't remember if he's in... Two, the, two actually. Is it two, sorry? Two, two books per volume. Oh. As I said, I can't read. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> but um, I can't remember if he's in book one or book two of, of Fellowship. But he's right near the start. He he He's before... We he's before the fellowship becomes a fellowship, so fellowship I, I, I'm pretty sure that that is uh, is the it must be because it must it must happen after the council. Anyway, um, but yeah, it, it, he's so bizarre. So the hobbits, so the four hobbits, Frodo, Sam, Merry, and Pippin, meet him twice. I think across uh, very yeah. early on in yes, their journey yeah. from the Shire. Yeah, um, before even they meet Aragorn. In yes. fact, yeah. Before, before they meet anyone, and and I think this is quite telling. Not to not to cut you off. I mean, it's no, going to go be ahead. a theme of this episode because I cut you off all the time. Um, but but you're quite right. It's the four hobbits essentially have just united right mm-hmm. in this quest, um, and they're obviously useless, even though they turn out to be the heroes at the end. But um, very early on, I mean, they haven't really left the Shire. I don't think they have actually left the Shire. Right? This is still they... in the Shire. Um. It's because it's, it's before Bree, which it's is before, where they meet Aragorn. It's before Bree, but it, don't they don't they first meet him in the old forest, which is one of the borders of the Shire? 
but I think it it technically still is in the Shire. Is it okay? I, well, I want to say this, certainly this, the second meeting is outside the Shire because right. that's Ellie, what the you, does. You're getting angry now, so just tell us if it's in the right the Shire. <laughs> um, I, so I, I think it still is in the Shire, and I think they first meet Tom right in the old forest because they get stuck in a tree. Yes. Old man Willow. Yes, and this is our sort of first real encounter with the, I guess, the deep past that Lord of the Rings is just borrowing from. Mm. Is that is that fair? Because Old Man Willow is he's not a character; he's a tree. It's probably not even really fair to call him a he because aren't trees sort of? Well, he's called Old Man Willow. I suppose. Yeah, but don't trees also have like I, I'm not good at science, but like men, man bits and lady bits in flowers and stuff. So isn't he both a man and a? Anyway, that's irrelevant. Um, but <laughs> wow, <laughs> but he, he's a tree to be to be completely clear. Um, but he's a, a tree that seems imbued with malice. Yes, and and we don't really. I think the only thing other than that that we've seen. Prior to that, is obviously we come across the Black Riders to an extent. Yeah, and and essentially they just hide from them, right? They're, yeah. they're, they're obviously evil. It's like, oh no, these these Dark Riders. But we don't know. We think they're just men. Yeah, I mean, really fucking creepy men. Oh yeah, absolutely. But but all, because Old Man Willow, uh, there's, there's nothing seemingly malicious at first, right? I mean, no, the old he's... forest is old, and you know you you can tell. There's there's history there and there's a sense of gravitas, but I think before they really know that there's any kind of danger around, they're just enveloped by this tree. Yeah, they try to get eaten. A tree tries to eat them, which um, I imagine would put a bit of a dampener on your day. Really? Yes. I mean, when you're trying to get to Rivendell and you've barely made it, you know, <laughs> twenty miles, <laughs> you're not not quite get, got past the North Circular, and already a tree's trying to eat you. Um, but I think this is important because it, it, it sets the scene, right? Here are our yes. four heroes. It, it really it really hammers home just how out of their depth Absolutely. they are. They can't even leave do, their hometown, leave essentially. Their hometown. <laughs> exactly. Exactly. And then, yeah, they, they get eaten by this tree. And it really looks like that's sort of the, the end of the quest. Really, they're just yeah. going to die. And then along comes singing Tom Bombadil. Hey, Tom Bombadil. (laughs) And I think we have to pause here to say that if you don't like Tom Bombadil because he's singing... Get out. You've missed the point entirely. (laughs) I don't even know what the point of Tom Bombadil is, but yeah, you can can hang up your headphones um, and and stop listening. Hand in your nerd card. Yeah. But yeah, he he seems to exert some sort of power over Old Man Willow. He sings at Old Man Willow to vomit back up the hobbits. I mean, it's quite remarkable, really, isn't it? Because this is the most malicious thing we've seen in action. I mean, you you mentioned the Black Riders, but we don't really see them do anything. This is the first obvious bit of harm, other than, I suppose, Farmer Maggot. Um, But but Whoa. It's, it's it's scary, right? And all that happens is Tom, this merry gent, you know, in his bright clothing, comes along, he yeah. sings at the tree, and the tree just, without hesitation, just says, mm. okay, 
Here you go. Yeah, you're sorry. Right. <laughs> and it, this scene does actually, in some fashion, make its way back into the the films because obviously Tom Tom Bombadil isn't in the films. Yeah, and I think that's probably the right call in the round. That we I think maybe, so. Yeah, we can maybe come on to that in a bit, but I don't think he works in the films that Peter Jackson was making. I mean, yes and no. I mean, I, I wouldn't mind the films going on for five hours each. So, no, but by all means, put them in. He would be tonally very off, I think, because yes, probably yeah. because yeah, he, no one he, sings. No one sings. Well, doesn't Aragorn sing? Yeah, he sings very right, end he sings right at the end, and it's weird. Yeah. Exactly. Well, and I suppose um, uh, what's his name? Pippin sings. Pippin sings. As Faramir's um, men get slaughtered. Yeah, and Eowyn sings in the extended edition. Oh, she does, yeah. You're right. Uh, anyway, um, none of them sing quite like Tom Bombadil sings. No. He sounds he sounds a little bit like he's singing limericks. That's how I've always sort of imagined it. It's, the, the, the scan isn't there, but it's that sort of irreverent singing as he skips through the forest. Yes. Which is great. And then, he, yeah, so he rescues the hobbits and, and takes them to his house where we meet Goldberry. Yep, his, who, his wife. His wife, the river daughter. Yep. And then they have a lovely couple of days in this oasis of calm, being fed and watered by Tom and his wife. And then the hobbits are sent on their way. Quite the thing. And they immediately fuck up and get into trouble again. Yeah. Like, immediately. And it's really funny. Uh, and they end up trapped in the Barrow Downs, which is the sort of the land between the Old Forest and Bree that they were expressly told by everyone that they met not to go through. And they Including, I'm pretty sure, Tom Bombadil. I'm fairly sure Tom Bombadil said, don't don't go there, guys. That, that would be bad. Um, and that's obviously, I mean, it's called the Barrow Downs. It's covered in mist. There's eldritch standing stones everywhere and then the hobbits end up in a, a white barrow uh, and it looks like they're probably dead this time yeah but if and i then, remember right frodo starts singing for tom to come and save them and he he just comes and does it does i think that's right i think frodo ends up singing to try and get but they're all like bedecked like numenorean princes fastest it's weird yeah it's weird it, it really is weird um, and then, yeah, just Tom just appears out of nowhere, sings the whites back to sleep, rescues them all, walks them like 20 yards to the edge of the Barrow Downs, and then says, right, see you, I'm off, breeze that way. Yeah. <laughs> and, it's, and that, I, I really do see why that didn't make it into the films. It's a bit like that scene from Empire Strikes Back, right, where, where Luke fights Vader Luke. And it's just... I get there's a point that's being made, yes. but I don't think anyone knows what that point is. No, I think that's probably fair. Other than, in that case, George Lucas, and in this case, um, J.R.R. Tolkien. Yeah, well, I think to- we can maybe come on to this, but I think even Tolkien never admitted that he knew what Tom Bombadil was about. No, we will come on to that, because I think that's absolutely the point. Yeah, um, I think, I think, yeah. Spoilers. But, yeah, but, but Tom Bombadil, like... <sighs> For all for all the hate he gets, and I think it's because people don't understand him. I love him purely for that reason. You know, the he's fact, the he's fact quirky. That you don't understand him. 
Exactly. You don't yeah, understand no, if he comes in and is, and he's so out of place, right? Well, I, I, he is and he isn't because uh, you know everyone in the Shire, all the hobbits are quite brightly coloured and, and yeah, aloof and all that sort of thing. And he he he's he very much feels like a hobbit in that sense. He's just on a a power scale that we've until this point not seen, and you know I think we don't actually see ever again in the books. No, I think that's, um, I think that's probably fair. I think that's probably fair, but I think, um, yeah, I think that's. So, Tom, really, so, so Tom's great. I know. So I, I, I really like Tom Bombadil as well. I think, I think he's, he's fantastic, and he's. If it hadn't, if if, if someone other than Tolkien had written Lord of the Rings, one, they it would be a worse book. But two, Tom Bombadil wouldn't be there, because yeah. he he exists because of the the way that Tolkien wrote the sort of all-encompassing story that he was writing he 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 plotted out the journey on on his on his map that he probably had kept in his head and went oh they go through tom bombadil's land they probably meet him how do i make that sound interesting rather than how do i get the hobbits from a to b because he already knew that he knew the journey so yeah do they meet along the way yeah yeah um, i mean let's bear in mind that this is a guy who i mean he obviously drew a lot of maps yeah. And like, like, for example, the very northeastern corner of the map had a rich history and people there, and 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 not and who knows what else. And yet, no one ever travels there for the books that we mm. really read. Absolutely right. So this this is the just the mind of the man who brought you the Lord of the Rings and and assorted works. Yeah, it's a scary, scary mind. It uh, is, but phenomenal. Absolutely. <laughs> so, we, we, th- those are the, those are the two interactions about with. With Tom, yep. the old man rescue from old old man Willow and staying with him in Goldberry, and then fog on the Baradans. So what 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 do we see him do? Why does he create so much consternation? Yeah, you know? I mean it's a good question, right? And and because he, he certainly does, and he does at the time. And he does when you think back on what's happened throughout the entire saga, right? You, you remember Tom that. Bombadil, you go, oh my god, yeah, wow, he did that. Yeah. Um, and it, it, in my opinion, it really comes down to the ring, right? Because it's the, all the rings and the ring is very important. I think that's probably probably right. His interactions with Frodo and the ring and what yeah. others say about him in relation to the ring... Are, yeah. are I think really telling. Yeah. So, I mean, because when we, when we as you've mentioned, when we first meet Tom, right, it's the first big evil we see, Old Man Willow, and he just comes along singing, and Old Man Willow's like, oh yeah, yeah, yeah okay, fine, sure, yeah, mm. you caught me. Um, and that trend very much continues, right, because Frodo is already being slowly worn down by this ring and this heavy burden, and oh my god, how terrible it is! We've got to get to Rivendell, etc., etc., etc. And the ring is quite clear this evil entity. And yet Tom is completely nonplussed. He he is, and and he's also the only person that we see who nonplussed is a good way of putting it. But he, he seems completely unenamored with the ring. Right? Yeah. it's the central plot point for basically everyone else that we interact with, one way or another. They're either the ring bearer, part of the fellowship, or their entire time on the page is influenced by the ring 
Yeah. You know, you, even up to people like Theoden or Eomer, who, who never interact with the Ring Bear. But or, or, or really know what the Ring of Power is, but they the, but they all know that it's that it's something. They know that it's something, and everything that's going on in their lives is directly linked to yeah. the Ring. And then you've got Tom, and you're sure, or maybe you're not, I'm fairly sure that if Tom were telling you the the story of the, those couple of days that the the hobbits spent with him, he'd probably not mention the ring. Not it just doesn't register for him. Yeah, it's not interesting for him. Yeah. He sees Frodo put it on, and can see Frodo, and is just like Frodo, take the ring off. Your finger looks much nicer without it, which is an odd thing to say. He puts, I think, he puts the ring on, and nothing happens. That he just it seems to hold no power over him. But that is quite telling, right? That he sees Frodo put it on and he says your finger looks a lot better without it. So he I've in a way he does see it as something that shouldn't be. I think that's probably right, yes. I think there's as with so much that's said about Tom, or that's said by him, there's so much wrapped up in everything that he says. Yeah. He's not yeah. just saying, oh, I think your finger looks better without a band of gold on it. He's saying, I think, don't wear the ring. It's not good. It's bad for you. It's causing you harm. You'll be much better off if you don't wear it, I think. Oh, I'm not, I'm not sure I'd go quite that far, because that's implying that Tom... Take sides. I, I don't know if that's but the best way of putting it. If you think when when Tom when Tom introduces himself, he he talks about uh, the uh, sorry. The quote is it's a quote you provided, so I'm stealing your thunder. Uh, Tom remembers the first raindrop and the first acorn. He knew the dark under the stars when it was fearless before the dark lord came from outside. He's picking sides there. Against Morgoth, not against Sauron, but he's picking is sides. He? I think so. The no, way all he's saying not... is he's just he's just putting his his his, uh, his claim there. You know, eldest. That's what yeah. I am. That's literally. It. I don't think he cares about anything that follows. No, I think he does. I think he's saying that the Dark Lord, so Morgoth, Melkor, came and corrupted even darkness. He knew the dark under the stars when it was fearless. Perhaps, yeah, perhaps. I think that there's so much wrapped up in that fearless and and Dark Lord as well. Is I Tom knows who Melkor is. Why not just say Melkor or Morgoth? Why why Dark Lord? There's 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 weight to that. I think. Well, a part of me would like to say that uh, you know if if you say the name Melkor, I'm not sure any Hobbit would understand who you're talking no, about. No, that's from Morgoth. Fair. That's that's potentially um, fair. Yeah, yeah. So, so so there's that. So so I think this brings us into really. De- Interesting discussion. Okay, so mm. I guess what you're saying is that he's he doesn't give two shits about the ring, but he knows it's bad. I think that's yeah. I think that's right. I think he yeah. That's what that's what I'm saying. Yeah. So, okay. So so and he obviously puts it on and nothing happens. So my question to you is, what would someone like Manway? Say and how would someone like Manway react to the ring? So that's a very good question. I'm going to say. So th- th- this is what in some AU where Manway sets foot on Middle Earth. 
Yeah, or, or, or say, for some odd reason, Frodo and the Hobbits sail to the west with the ring in an attempt to keep it safe, and Manwe's just there like, oh, hi. And they hand him well, the ring. Well, in, in those circumstances, he would send the ring back, because they, they speak about that at the Council of Elrond, which I, but I don't think that's the point that you're making. Um, yeah, sure. I mean, but I, but I equally... Th- so, so I guess, I'll tell you what I'm thinking. I, I know what you're thinking. I think that man would react very much the same way, right? He would he would sort of he would be able to see Frodo when Frodo puts on the ring. He would be able to think that's put on the ring and not give two shits about its effects. And and ultimately like Tom, he 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 just doesn't really care. And we know that from the Einar because they've essentially said, you know what, Middle Earth can go fuck itself. <laughs> um, you know, you've you've caused enough trouble. We tried to help you out and we've got nothing but grief, so sort yourselves out. Yeah. And Sauron's power is only vested in Middle Earth, and I and I think the Ainur, like Manwe, mm. just don't care. So, so I guess my the, the follow up to that is: Do we think that Tom Bombadil is one of the Ainur? No, I don't think he's one of the Ainur. I think that it's it's a, it's a seductive answer. I think because. That fits him neatly into the cosmology. Yeah, sure. And I, I can absolutely see. I think that's one of the more popular theories that he's he's another. I think that he's another of the Valar, but not not one of the capital V Valar, but a, a Einar of magnitude with the Valar rather than Maya. Yeah, he's um, just never mentioned. Yeah, he's just never mentioned. He's 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 something. But on their scale, but one of the iron. I don't think that that's right. I, I don't know why, but it doesn't fit with me. And it might just be his his demeanor, his behavior. He doesn't come across even like you know Gandalf, who's one of the Ainur, um, is a, like funny and and stuff. But he's not this like irreverent so-and-so, like like Bombadil is. Yeah. I, I'm tempted to agree with you, which I know is, is rare on expertise as overrated. Don't do that. It makes me uncomfortable. <laughs> You're right. I agree with you. <laughs> um, I, I think Gandalf is a bad example. Uh, Gandalf is a bad example. Yeah, and I, d- I don't want to be that guy who, who tells about the example, but no, yeah, he, every, he everyone's everyone's there on a mission, right? And so, so I'm going to use mm. I'm going to use Gandalf as a bad example as a good example for myself. Mm. So Ga- Gandalf is a Maya who's on a mission, right? Sent by Manwe himself, and mm-hmm. I guess by extension by Eru Luvatar. We have to assume we have that, to assume that that because Man- well, Manwe yeah, we, have, we have direct evidence because Gandalf dies and Eru is like, no, <laughs> you're not done yet, mate. Go back. <laughs> Finish uh, what you started. But yeah, we have to assume that everything that Manway does is done with the... Because he knows best the plan, doesn't he? Exactly, exactly. Yeah. And, and so part of me would like to think, even though I agree with you that, it, that it's it doesn't feel quite right, part of me would like to think that Tom Bombadil is one of the angels, to use the Christian term, mm. who just has a very specific mission that's got absolutely nothing to do whatsoever with, you know, Irrelevant people like Sauron. I can I can see that. I can I can see that. But can you then explain Goldberry? 
can I then explain Goldberry? Well, is Goldberry, Goldberry the... is almost more confusing. <laughs> yeah, because she's she's the river daughter. Yeah, and if I remember right, and and correct me if I'm wrong on this, because it's been a while, but doesn't Tom in like the Adventures of Tom Bombadil, which is a standalone book of poems, doesn't he go on an adventure and like kidnap her essentially? Yeah, I think that's <laughs> I think that's right. I don't think kidnap. I think he wins her. He wins her. Yeah, that's which is almost worse. <laughs> for, for, I think from her father. Yeah, that sounds familiar. I remember the, the story being quite awkward. Yeah. And inappropriate, and just so not 2021. Which is no. fine, given it was written nearly 100 <laughs> years ago, I suppose. Yes, it, it was written after the first... Between the, between the wars, it's okay. Um... But, I mean, but in, terms of, in terms of, like, explain Goldby, I mean, all the, all the Valar are well, not all of them, but the vast majority of certainly important Valor are married. Yeah, they're all buddied up, aren't they? Yeah. So, yeah, maybe that's that. That that. It's like I say, it's a, it's a it's a a good. I think it's a good starting point. So any theory has to be better than he's an Ainur. I think I think I'm going to, I'm going to say Valar, even though I know people will tell me that that's not right because. The Valar are the codified twelve, but I, th- I, th- I yeah, think yeah. Well, I mean, look at the look at the Greeks. They changed the. Uh... But I guess it's the difference between being a Greek god and being an Olympian. Well, exactly, but the Olympians change all the time anyway. So, yeah, only once, mm-hmm. isn't it? Yeah, on the on the birth of Dionysus. Dionysus anyway. in change of whoever it was. Hestia. Hestia, yeah. Anyway, yes. <laughs> <laughs> so any, any any theory needs to be better than that, I think. Um, uh, yeah, I mean, I mean that said, to, to follow that theory through, we have to, I guess, figure out what Tom Bombadil... Uh, Tom What's Bombadil, his purpose? What was his purpose, yeah, mm. and it's, it's entirely unclear. And I'm also not sure that... It's right. I'm, I'm thinking. I'm thinking about it now. He calls himself eldest, and then someone else, Glorfindel, talks about him. And Glorfindel, one assumes, would know because Glorfindel's been to the Undying Lands and back. And he refers to him as first. Last, he will be as first. Um. So, unless that implies well, he, that can't imply that he's the eldest or the first of the the Ainur, because we know that the first, the, the the mightiest of the Ainur, so was was Malkor and i don't see and there's no evidence that it gets so weird when you talk about pre the music of the Ainur. but that that exists sort of timelessly ah uh, okay no i'm glad you said that so so let me let me just uh, i guess read out the quote that you, I guess, are alluding to. Um, but in any case, said Glorfindel, to send the <clears> ring <throat> to him would only postpone the day of evil. He is far away. We could not now take it back to him, unguessed, unmarked by any spy. And even if we could, soon or late, the Lord of the Rings would learn of its hiding place and would bend all his power towards it. Could that power be defined by Bombadil alone? I think not. 
and this is the important bit, mm. I think that in the end, if all else is conquered, Bombadil will fall, last as he was first, and then night will come. Yeah. And I think the fact that you said timelessly leads me on to my next theory, is that Tom Bombadil is the Valar of time. Okay. Right? Last as he was first. Sure. Because if it's, it's, I mean, to draw analogies with modern physics, I suppose, before the Big Bang, there was no time. So equally before the creation of Arda, there was no time. No, I think, yeah, I guess that was my point. How can he be... It, 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 I really struggle to conceptualise him as one of the Ainur because he refers to himself as eldest and others refer to him as first. Um, and we see no indication that any of the Ainur came to Arda before the Valar. Sure, but uh, yeah, I guess we do. We know any Valar who talk about him? We don't know any Valar at all. I suppose we don't. He's not. I don't think he's mentioned in the Silmarillion. I could be I wrong. About well, that, but I don't. Not, think not by he the is. name Tom Bombadil. Not, no, no. So I guess the question for us then is: Was Bombadil there before the Valar? Yeah, that is that is exactly the the question. And this is, I guess, where some of the other theories come in. If par- parking the was he is he an Ainur one for now, the other one that I've heard quite frequently is that he's the result, or he's p- part of the music of the Ainur, or or some offshoot of the music. And and one theory which I quite like is that he's the result of the discord of Melkor. Yeah, interesting. Yeah. Right, so if you imagine the music of the Ainur as this resounding chorus that sings the world into being, and Melkor, the um, the the first Dark Lord, the first big bad, who is one of the one of the Ainur, one of the Valar, um, introduces discord into this. He starts singing, basically singing the wrong melody, and that introduces discord, and then Eru rises in you know, in defiance of that and weaves the music back in and builds a new theme. But that Discord will have created ripples across Middle-earth. Okay, um, that, so sh- shall we unpack that a little bit then? Yeah, go ahead. I mean, there, there are so many unbelievably deep, meaningful things to discuss there. <laughs> and I just skated all over all of them. Because <laughs> you're right, so Melkor, yes, he... he, he starts riffing right yeah. you know he's like fuck this shit uh, i'm gonna just do my own thing he introduces a jazz solo to the 1812 overture it, it absolutely does that but at the <laughs> end of the whole song right god mm-hmm. himself says yeah that was great but you only did it because i ultimately knew you were gonna do that yeah he's he says the ainur are of me and they do nothing but that i Will it to be so, or something like that? Yeah, something Probably to that effect. Quote, but... Yeah. So, so if we follow that through, then Tom Bombadil is also just some weird offshoot of Iluvatar's mad plan. Yeah, whatever his plan is. Yeah. Yeah, I guess. I guess that's that. That has to be true. If if we assume that Eru 
Iluvatar is telling the truth there, and we see we have no evidence to disbelieve him, it, them, <laughs> her. Uh, I mean, it's Tolkien, so it's almost it's certainly going to be he. Yes, <laughs> he. Uh, <laughs> we have no, yeah, we have no reason to to disbelieve him, but I don't know. I like I like the idea that he's this little. He's the result of the discord of the music. And what I like about that is that he's sort of looks like a force for good, albeit only within his small contained country. But he saves the hobbits. He's not malicious. Uh, So so that's that's actually an important point. So he is clearly all powerful, but has a very small sphere of influence, right? Yeah. Which he himself says, you know, I cannot go beyond my borders, essentially. Yeah. So, so, so this is why this is why I'm not a big fan of the discourse theory because I can't I just can't logically follow it through. No, that's that's fair. I, I I like it because I what I like about it is that it implies that the some of the discords that Melkor introduced into the music of creation resulted in good things, which wouldn't have been what Melkor intended, but. The nature of the the nature of the act of creation is to create things that are good. Yeah, but 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 is is he good? Surely he's neutral, if anything. I think he's neutral good to use the D and D alignment. Yeah, or chaotic good. <laughs> chaotic, I think for sure. He's, he's probably on on a D and D alignment scale. He's probably chaotic good. But but it, but but you're only saying he's good because he helps the hobbits. Sure, right in in the in the point of view of uh, someone like Glorfindel, right? When they're saying, "What should we do with the ring? Let's give it to Tom Bombadil." He's not good because he would do absolutely nothing about it, and he also doesn't care. <laughs> but I don't I don't know that that's right. That's not what Glorfindel says. Glorfindel says, Gandalf says, if we send him the ring, he'll lose it or forget about it at some point, and or drop it or something because he's an idiot. Um, we've got Glorfindel and um, Galdor both talk about the fact that like, they talk about him as someone who is on their on their side but unable to help. I think, which actually lends weight to the he's an Einar theory. You know, if he if he really is the living embodiment of time, or what, excuse me, or whatever, then he is quite likely bound by rules not of his own creation that require that he not interfere. Yeah, yeah. So I guess that brings us to unpack the next quote. If I just dub myself into reading all these quotes out for us, well, no, which which quote is it? Is it the Eorwain? The Arwen one, yeah. Yeah, so this is this is Galdor in, in response to Glorfindel, uh, who says, I know little of Eorwain, Arwen, which is the elvish name for Tom Bombadil, save the name. But Glorfindel, I think, is right. Power to defy our enemy is not in him, unless such power is in the earth itself. And yet we see that Sauron can torture and destroy the very hills. What power still remains lies here with us, here in Imladris, or with Círdan at the Havens, or in Lorien. But have they the strength, have we here the strength to withstand the enemy, the coming of Sauron at the last, when all else is overthrown? And realistically, I think that the quote ends at, unless such power is in the earth itself, but I I, I like the rest of the quote. Yeah, Um, no, same, same. 
But no, I mean, Galdor, Galdor will be less well-informed about this than Glorfindel or Gandalf, both of whom have said he couldn't do it. You say that Gal- Galdor, talk, I think uh, we're meant to believe is a first-age elf, right? Quite possibly, but he's not Glorfindel or Gandalf, who are, who are both special. Yeah, sure. Gandalf, he's, Gandalf. he's still a first-age elf, he's, which is something that even Elrond can't say. He's still a big deal, absolutely. Um, which is great for a character who just sort of pops up and just was... Just a bit pop. <laughs> yeah, unimportant enough to be included in the films. Mm. Uh, unless, of course, you watch the extended editions. Um, but but I think you, you're quite right. The, the quote probably ends it unless such power is in the Earth itself, because maybe that gives us a clue from Tolkien himself as to what Bombadil might be again. Yeah. And the other, so the other, the other theory here is the is that he is the living embodiment or the well, no, the, the living embodiment of Arda or Middle Earth itself. Yeah. And that would make sense, given that he lives in the old forest, right? And, and is yes. probably aware of the Ents and the Ent wives and all this, and, and that's the th- stuff Which, he cares about. Yeah, and and we do we do have that, I think, from Gandalf at the very end, doesn't he? Say that he has to have a chat with Bombadil, who would own the only bit of their adventure that Bombadil would be interested in was would be the meeting of the Ents. Yes. Yeah. Um, so yeah, I think. Yeah, I, I think that that idea has has some merit, certainly. Which, which, but it throws up <sighs> questions. It throws up so many questions because what does that mean? What does that mean? Where does it come from? What is does it... that mean? Because if he is the Earth itself, then is not is not Old Man Willow an aspect of him? Yes, and so is Tom Bombadil. You know, again, both good and bad. Well, there's, there's, there's a th- mm, now here. I'm building a theory. Is, it, is this after trying to control itself? Yeah, I mean, um, go, go on, go on. So, so we know from um, some of Tolkien's unpublished works, specifically the the bit in the the passages that have been subsequently published as Melkor's Ring, that in the first age, early in the first age. Melkor put forth his power and corrupted the earth itself. And that's why ultimately there's not really much anyone can do. Middle earth is fucked uh, because Melkor expended so much of his strength in corrupting it, corrupting the, the very earth itself. However, if Tom Bombadil is the living embodiment of middle earth, could it be that the putting forth of that power into the earth, which earth it would have been heavily vested with magical energy from the creative works of the Valar, sort of pushed some of that magical energy out, and that's Tom Bombadil. He's the result of the corruption. Like some of some some of the goodness of Arda, the create the creation of Arda was pushed away by Melkor's corruption. And became Tom Bombadil. No, no, because okay. <laughs> no, because he no, was first. No, like no, I agree with you. So yeah, a because he was first. Yes, yeah. And and Arda is just the the um the the way that the song of the Valar plays out, right? Yeah. And, and as we've said, the the song of the Valar contained discourse when Melkor said, "You know, I'm going to riff some some mad blues up in this bitch." Um. <laughs> And, and 
and so I, like that was clearly part of it. That was part of the plan. That was part of what Eero Luvatar had planned. So I, I, I don't see how that could create some sort of excess that would manifest as Tom Bombadil unless... That was the plan all along. Unless that was the plan all along, yeah. Because the, the, yeah, the idea of excess energy was essentially what I was suggesting. Yeah, and, I, and, you, I, and I'm just saying, I don't, I don't think there can be such a thing as excess energy in a world where Luvatar just knows everything. Um, and also, I, I don't think Middle-earth is important enough to warrant something that powerful to be made, if that makes sense. Right, because 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 Middle Earth ultimately is is literally just what Melkor claims early on. Right, he's he's in Middle Earth. All the other Valar are somewhere else, and that's kind of the status quo until Feanor and his merry band of kinslayers is like. But nah. no, no, that's not quite, that's not quite right. Because what Melkor claims is where the children wake. Y- yes, but the Valar go and escort the children back to. You know, to Valinor. To Valinor, yeah. But and and they do so very very successfully. Maybe, maybe. I, th- I think I know where we're heading with this. Is that we we we're not going to understand who or what Tom Bombadil is. I was really hoping for us to get to an answer. Well, there's a there's a couple of other ones that that float around. Um, I think you, your your one that you've got here at, at at the bottom. We can leave to the end, but just. To, to tick off a couple of other theories that I quite like, although there's not really any textual evidence for them because they're just this is this is who they are. He's one of Tolkien's mates. Who yeah, Tolkien just I like wrote that. into the book, or Tolkien himself, or Tolkien himself. as the author. You know, you're infallible, right? He's a, he's a, he's an infallible authorial insert, but who Tolkien has written into this this one's quite nice. He he's closeted in this little area. So that within that little area, he's he's supremely powerful, but he can't fix the later problems in the book because he he can't get there to fix them. So he's almost he's almost Deus ex machina, but put in yeah. a box and yeah. only allowed to come out when the box is is within reach. And, and you know, I've always really been a big fan of that. It, it, it's Tolkien just having enough humor to be like, you know, I, I could just Deus ex machina this and yeah. And you know the eagles do just carry the ring to Mordor, and everything ends within five pages. Um, but he has enough self control and, mm. and and introspection to say, "Yeah, that's boring." <laughs> um, so I'm just going to create this little nugget of, of yeah. fun, you know, that no one's ever going to understand, and that's me. And then the story just plays out the way the story historically plays out. Yeah, I think I think that's a really good theory. The other one that I often see people this is a topic that comes up on on reddit or or twitter or what have you so often weekly I think. <laughs> uh so many people who've only seen the films come to the books and go wait what <laughs> yeah. two questions one who is fatty bulger and two what is tom bombadil fatty bulger excellent character uh, <laughs> full of record un- uns- unsung <laughs> hero of fellowship of the ring uh the the one the one that the, the sort of the the answer that lots of people seem to to get to is we don't know and you can't work it out and that's the point of Tom Bombadil that there's mad there's magic in the world that even Elrond or Gandalf or Glorfindel don't know and don't understand yeah because 
Tolkien wants to live in a world where that is true, where there is glorious and unknowable magic that just exists. And and that's that's great. That's so powerful. That's so much more powerful than we don't understand and we don't care. Yeah. Because this is a genuine example of we don't understand and we're not meant to understand. Yes. And it's yeah. beautiful because we don't understand. That's 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 exactly right. And and that's a point that I I think gets missed too often, especially when well, you already, have pod- as you say every week they have the same fucking yeah. argument over and over. <laughs> you, especially in a world where you have podcasts like us who come along and try and list and codify and categorize everything. And obviously, when we do it, we're great. Um, yes. Yes. But, you know, it's the sort of thing that, that started, I think, with websites like Cracked, who, which I also think is, is pretty pretty good fun. But p- part of the joy of fiction and part of the joy of fantasy and sci-fi in particular is there's some stuff that just doesn't make sense. Yeah. And that's fine. <laughs> so, so our conclusion for the day is that, to answer our own question of who is Tom Bombadil, is we don't know, we will never know, and that's the beauty. Yeah, I think that's um, right. Except but before for, we get to that, except I'm, I'm going to tell you who Tom Bombadil ex- is. Except, except for, <laughs> except for the, the the fact that we do actually have an answer. And of it's course, because our expertise is overrated, and we are all knowing. <laughs> no, this is this is one. Um, I mean, we're so poignant today. My goodness, we're we're on fire. <laughs> a little bit of time away, and we we've just become so much more smart. Really smart. Um, <laughs> no, so one one that I found, and I, I I sadly can't claim ownership of this, um, but it's a really elegant theory, and it, it all comes from uh, you know the source material. So an excerpt from Fellowship: uh, When Frodo asks Goldbury who Bombadil is, she first replies, "He is." Right, and when Goldbury tells Frodo he is. She's using the common tongue. Had, however, she been speaking Elvish, she would have said Aya. Right? And note how similar this is to the yeah. puzzle, you know, say friend and enter, get yeah, off yeah. solve. It's, it's quite literal, right? Talking about a little literal thing. Mm. And, and so Aya is obviously the term for Earth. Yes. Right? And, and going back to my previous point, because I'm so smart. <laughs> um... I think this really backs up my theory that Tom Bombadil is some sort of physical manifestation of not Middle Earth, but Earth. So as, uh, I don't know what that means. That, that which was created by the music. <sighs> yes. Although when you put it that way, I again don't understand what that means because <laughs> no, because Iluvatar created the Valar who create the music that then creates the earth which then somehow is also just a little man in like bright yellow but i i don't think that's the point of the theory because the theory turns on the idea of the secret fire sure right because because The secret fire is the thing that resides with Iluvatar that cre- that gives life. 
I mean, you, you mentioned the secret fire, so that's like a really obvious thing that people everywhere know. <laughs> so, okay, right. So Gandalf references it once. Gandalf like references it once. And it's, it's in the Silmarillion as well. Um, it's in the Ainurdani, the, the very, very first bit of the... The, the Song of the Valor, pretty much. The yeah. Song of, yeah, the Song of the Valor. Um, uh, so stealing from what you found, the quote from the Silmarillion is that there, therefore Iluvatar gave to their vision being and set it amid the void and the secret fire was sent to burn at the heart of the world and it was called Ea. So it's it's not clear whether what the secret fire is, but it is the thing that Melkor seeks. That, that's what he yeah. is looking for when he turns evil. And and we know that the thing that Melkor sought above all others was the, the ability to create as a Luvatar can create. Um, that was the one thing kept from the, the Valar. We see that with Aule and the dwarves. Because, so the theory goes that Tom Bombadil is or contains within himself this secret fire, which is the substance of raw creation. Yeah. Which... The, 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 the problem with that theory is that it is said that the secret fire... Right, and the reason that Melkor could not find the secret fire is that because it is with Eru only. But it was also sent to burn at the heart of the world. Yeah, but Tom Bobadil is not in the heart of the world. No, he's not. Especially once the world was made round. So, so he's like he's like secret fire adjacent. He's like earth adjacent. He's, yeah. He's all of these things and none. Mm -hmm. I, I think the reason that I really like this theory, and it's sort of the what you what you were saying, is it plays so much to Tolkien's strength as an author and a world builder. Yeah. As someone who you know, the, the speak friend and enter puzzle is is the most famous, but the so it's littered. The, the Lord of the Rings and the Hobbit and the Silmarillion are absolutely littered with cross-linguistic wordplay like that that really only exist for Tolkien. Yeah, yeah. Be be because he's the only person, at the time that he was writing, he was the only person who could speak the three different types of Elvish plus, you know, whatever, what was Westron, which is the common tongue that he yeah. invented. Um. Plus, I mean, it's true. Like he, he wrote a book full of in-jokes that only he understood. Which is such a, a massive flex move. And I've got, so flex, much, right? I've got so much time for it. And the <laughs> fact that it's become the watchword for fantasy epics, you know, surpassing things like Beowulf. I just, yeah, I've got, I've got so much time for it. No, me too. And this is why I, I really like Tom Bombadil so much, because... I, I agree. I think he, he's... Yeah, he's just intriguing. <laughs> he 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 is he is and he's meant I, we I come back to I think our, our, the answer that we 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 spoiled five minutes ago but that's that's the whole point of Tom Bombadil Tom Bombadil exists to get us to question what Tom who and what Tom Bombadil is that's his only reason of being um no a more cynical man and yes that's right I'm, I'm taking the non cynical line might say that Tom Bombadil actually exists to get the hobbits out of a problem that Tolkien wrote them into and couldn't get them out of. Twice. Twice. 
Uh, <laughs> and he, he also enables them to go into the barrows and get the daggers with which Mary um, harms the Witch King. Because um, that's where the Western dagger comes from. The Westernese dagger. Doesn't from. Mary stab the Witch King with the Lorien blade? Uh, no. He stabs it with the a knife from uh, Galadriel. No, he stabs it with a knife from the barrow. I'm fairly sure. I'm fairly sure. I'll check. I, I can check that. I, I remember they used those knives to great effect somewhere. I can't remember if it's the Witch King or not. You might be very right. Uh, I'm actually going to try and check that now. Yeah, because that's quite that's quite a poignant uh, point. Uh, I'm fairly sure he stabs Mary. You're just saying that, aren't you? Expertise is overrated, everyone. Uh, we yeah. do our research ahead of time. TolkienGateway.net. <laughs> Daggers of Westerness. Weapons that Tom Bombadil brought out of the mound in which Frodo Baggins and his friends had been imprisoned. Yes. With which uh, Mary stabs the Witch King. You just made that last bit up, didn't you? No, the dagger that Mary stabbed into the Witch King had a power <laughs> beyond mere mortal, mere metal, for it broke the spell that held the spirit's body together. Okay. Fine. There okay, so, so Tom Bombadil is Deus Ex Machina. Yeah, the Battle of the Parent of Eleanor Fields. So past the sword of the Barrow Downs, work of Westerness. But glad would he have been to know its fate, who wrought it slowly long ago in the North Kingdom when the Dunedain were young, and chief among their foes was the dread realm of Angmar and its sorcerer king. Nice. There you go. Yeah. Um, so, so Tom and, Bombadil and... exists to put that knife in Mary's hand. But you know what? That's I don't think that's a cynical view at all. Um does also lend weight to the he is Valar or Eru adjacent as well. Yeah, yeah. And, and this is why, you know, I'm, I am going to come down on, on one side of this okay. argument. And I do think I've convinced myself with my excellent rhetoric that Tom Bombadil is some sort of personification of Arda. Right okay. in terms of and and I'm going to draw parallels here to you know the world we live in, right? And and so much of it is personified and anthropocentric, mm-hmm. right? We care so much about what happens to humanity, etc., etc., etc. But ultimately, what 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 is really happening is that we live on this gigantic rock that just flies through space and does its own thing. And if you believe in destiny, it has its own destiny, and it, it'll govern that accordingly. And I think Tom Bombadil is 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 just that, right? And he, he maybe has enough power to just influence small events, which ultimately, in the grand scheme of Arda, are quite tiny, right? I mean, he gives a small hobbit a dagger, and ultimately that small hobbit with that small dagger kills the Witch King. That doesn't matter at all um, to Earth. Meaningless. It's a fleeting second. Um, much like I think anything that we do in our lifetime is a fleeting second to the big rock that we live on. And that's Tom Bombadil for me. The personification of Earth and the fact that... And this is why he doesn't care, because ultimately Earth doesn't care and just lives and is happy to be here. But that's just me. Gosh. That was very deep. 
Isn't that so much, so profound for expertise is overrated? I think we can tell you've been drinking. Uh, that's an outrageous accusation. <laughs> it's Sorry, a Monday. <laughs> a damning slur. Um, I know. I think I, you know what. I think you're probably not wrong there. Um, I don't know that I necessarily follow every agree with everything that you say. Um, about and that would be a first. About what we can, I I think that Arda does care that Mary stabs the witching, but I think that the way that Arda works, the way that the Valar work, the way that Eru works, is tiny little things done around the edges to enable people to act on their choices because ultimately it's not Tom Bombadil that stabs the Witch King. It's Merry. And yes, okay, Tom, Tom Bombadil gives him the tool to do so, but Merry would have stabbed him whether or not he was holding that sword. I think. Yes. No, you're right. I think. And I, I think it's, I think that's, that's what Tom Bombadil is. He, he, yeah. He exists to empower others to carry out their choices, which I think lends weight to the theory that he's some sort of Ainur or or Eru or adjacent. Yeah. So so why, what, let, let's just agree to combine the ideas then. Okay. That Tom Bombadil is Arda, mm-hmm. um, but he's Arda... Because he's also Eru Luvatar. Um, and because the entire history of the world happens at the very beginning of the Silmarillion, right? Where they sing. Yeah. And so Eru knows what's going to happen. Arda knows what's going to happen and is just keen to play the role it's meant to and guide people along the right path. Therefore, being able to do things like make sure that Mary finds the dagger. Mm-hmm. Etc. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Look at that. We're done. How wholesome! Aren't we just clever? Aren't, we just aren't nailed we it. Just... So, I mean, people have argued about this for how many fucking years, and we just nailed this in a we single just, evening. Just, just answered it for them, really. Yeah. Um... Listen to this episode, guys. <laughs> <laughs> he says, I'm, "An hour in." Um... <laughs> Even Tolkien should listen to this and be like, "Oh yeah, that's exactly what I meant." <laughs> yeah. No, that's. Uh... <laughs> oh, Jesus God. Christ! We're going to need to take another long break, aren't we? <laughs> I was going to say, I think we, I think we need to stop there. Um, <laughs> thank you so much for listening to this episode of Expertise is Overrated. No doubt, we've said some things that are either objectively wrong or, in this case, downright offensive. As ever, feel free to let us know, rate the podcast, and leave us a comment or drop us an email. At expertise is overrated at gmail.com. Tweet us at zero expertise. Check out our website, expertise is overrated.podbean.com, or come join us on our Discord server. Now, if you're lucky, we might just argue with you in one of our upcoming episodes. And if you're really lucky, we might call you an idiot. Now, we're not quite back to our regular schedule. But in our next episode, whenever it may be, we are going back over old ground as we revisit some of uh, the previously awarded Tinfoil Awards. 
and we ask who's had the most unfairly awarded tinfoil of the last 24 episodes. Spoiler alert, it's me. me. Damn it. Uh, We'll see you next time, folks.